Um, yeah, so look, that's our, our series titled New Horizons, The Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to be going through the book of Acts. I just wanted to uh, start by uh, reminding us, though, when we gather to pray, um, we're trying to work out, you know, how is God leading us? What's the next next steps of the journey for us here? What's God up to in our midst? And I remember um, a few things. I think I remember um, Katie brought up a, a, a quite a key word, really, about um, kind of like, like power turbines that were kind of linked together. And somehow there was a grid of power. and It was more than just about an individual turbine. So I remember that. And I remember those three longings. You remember? So one of them was about spiritual formation. You know, how does... How's God going to reshape us to be better followers of him as his disciples? And is he going to change us from the inside out? There's that, that, that longing in our hearts for that. There's also a longing in our hearts that's about outreach and mission. So where is he leading us to connect more deeply and more transformatively with the people who don't yet know him uh, and who so desperately need him, whether they realize that yet or not? Uh, and also uh, with children and family, you know, how do we reproduce uh, the, the the life and the goodness of God in, in, into a new generation that will probably go places and do things in ways that are different to the ways that we've done and gone, and they will go further and 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 in in new ways that we haven't done, but we invest something of ourselves into them. So, so they were three real longings um, that we had, and 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 I mentioned that because I think as Lloyd put in the Easy Church notes, that's there's. We're not kind of parking that and just, oh, let's do a different topic now. Um, that stuff and those uh, those kind of, uh, particularly those three kind of themes, if you like. Let's just see how God speaks to us through uh, about those things as we journey through the book of Acts together. Um, so um, I'm going to do something slightly unusual um, in in today. It's It's not normal. When you're starting a new series, let me tell you how it's supposed to work. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to paint a big picture. Give everybody the context, and then you maybe zero in a little bit, right? So, um, I'm uh, I'm actually not doing that. I'm doing quite the opposite because um, last uh, week, Liz taught us so beautifully about something that was absolutely zeroing in on the heart of what's the the, the kickoff of the of of the Book of Acts, because she was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and what that did and what that birthed, and. Um, so we've we've kind of been absolutely zeroed in, like in the in the kind of in the, in a film terms, the kind of close up shot. We've had a close up shot of the heart of things. So what we're going to do today is sort of probably pan round a little bit, and then uh, and then kind of take a crane shot backwards to kind of look at the big bigger picture sort of later. So I'm kind of starting, you know, building on what Liz has done that was close up. I'm just going to want to step back that we're looking in the first couple of chapters of Acts. If you've got a Bible and you want to um, kind of flick into it, then. Uh, or if you've got an app, turn to Acts 1. Uh, we'll be dipping in and out of that um, as well. So um, let's uh, so if we just um, start with um, one of the things about um, two-part series, which is what Acts is Luke Volume 2, if you hadn't already clocked that. So Luke wrote, l- wrote the Gospel, and then he wrote Acts as kind of part two. Um, and just like in modern-day series, when you turn on the telly, and you, uh, they'll say kind of previously on such and such a program, and they give you a little recap, and then they go on with what's going to happen the next time. That's that was exactly the tradition as well back then when you're writing his, history uh, and historical works, and gosp- you know, of which Luke's Gospel is one. So the start of Acts starts like this: says, "In my former book, Theophilus, this is Acts one. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, 
until the day he was taken up to go to heaven. And uh, and then it talks a bit about it, Jesus presenting himself, and then he says, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift my father promised you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and they have a, a, a bit of a chat about the future, and then he says, don't, don't worry about that. The key thing is, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, so the Holy Spirit will come on you. Remember that phrase, that's an important phrase. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, so basically Jesus has sort of given them like a, uh, a, 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 a period of 40 days. So it's a kind of six-week intensive on the kingdom of God, basically. So that's the, Jesus gives them six weeks worth of concentrated daily teaching. How about that? That's, that's, that's quite a, uh, a thing. But, um, uh, so that that's 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 how we kind of get get introduced to to this book, and um, and then uh, he 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 goes up and he he ascends and obviously uh, Johnny taught us uh, about about the meaning of that as well quite recently. Um, but I just want to as we're going through this, just zero in a couple of things. Remember, so this says my in my former book Theophilus, Theophilus, the person that it was written for. Probably, so Theophilus means lover of God. Most excellent Theophilus he was referred to in Luke. So it's probably someone who's quite um, in a high status position, you know, and maybe in the establishment some way, maybe in a Roman establishment. And, but actually, he's become a lover of God. He's, he's hooked by Jesus. And so what Luke's doing is writing out and saying, let me explain all that. I've researched it really carefully. I'm going to lay it out really well. And that's what Luke's gospel does. And then here we are flowing into Acts, which is, you know, and, and, and just to introduce it, it says, my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, there's one interesting word that everyone uh, notices, the word began. The gospel was about what Jesus began to do and teach. So what's this next bit about? Well, it's going to be about what he continues to do and teach. So, so we've had beginnings in Luke, and now we're having a continuation. Um, and, and, and that's really interesting because... Um, if you think about, you know, Prince Philip died recently, didn't he? And you had those amazing tributes to his life. And 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 whenever someone dies, the the, the and Matt will probably you know tell you more about this. But if if someone's like getting quite old, they'll they'll be already kind of they'll have worked up some stuff ready to go, so that in when they finally die, ta-da! Here's these really well formed pieces all about their life. But but the point is, it will cover a great sort of sweep of all the different things in the lives that they touched and the difference that they made and and the implications. But the thing is, it's a, it's it, at that point, it's a finished thing. Now, that's not to say that there aren't people who then go on to be influential. So if you think you know, Martin Luther King is probably still having an influence. But the point is, the things that are influential are the things that happened in his life, which is now finished. And this, so this is a unique situation, right? Because you can't write the obituary of Jesus because it would be an unfinished work. So it's a bit like the difference between, if you think about in a, a music... Um, say the music awards and stuff, you, you, you tend to get sort of, you know, this isn't like the Lifetime Achievement Award that they give kind of at the end of someone's career. It's more like Best Newcomer, you know, because actually what Jesus does in Luke is the beginning of what he's doing. It's only the beginning. And there's way, way more to come from what Jesus did in that first three earthly years of his life. And now, back to life, back to an indestructible life, he's going to continue doing stuff, so... That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, the other thing I'm really struck by is this, uh, the, the other two words in there, which is b- what Jesus began to do 
and what Jesus began to teach. And um, that's really going to be a key for this whole book. We can, as we're going through, think about the, these two questions. We're going to be, as we're looking and understanding what happened in the early church and all the great narratives. The first questions are: What is Jesus doing in this situation? What is he doing? And secondly, what is he teaching through these, these events? So we're going to hold that as we go through. And we're going to cover lots of different things, um, but that's really key because you know Acts is about what Jesus continues to do and to teach, and. Uh, I think it's an interesting order as well, doing and teaching. So it's the emphasis on what he's up to. And then in light of what he's up to, you work out, try and figure out what's he teaching here? What's, what's, what's the story? So um, the, first, uh, the first thing that we'll see, uh, by the way, um, uh, so just to locate this a little bit, we're in um, the, the, we're looking at the former, this is really the formation period in Acts, which covers about the first eight chapters, covers a period of about a couple of years. And so I'm just looking at this thing about the birth. Actually, the, wh- what did God birth when, when Pentecost happened? Um, so this is part two of this, this thing, really. Um, so just to give you, um, this is the panning round bit. Let's look at some of the events that happen in the, the, these kind of chapters. So, so the first thing is the overflow of the Spirit. So the disciples are baptized with the Spirit. They overflow with the Spirit. And um, I'm not going to... Uh, go over the stuff that I think Liz covered fantastically well um you know but but just if if one of the things I think that strikes me is just trying to think about some of the significance of that and um you know the Holy Spirit comes and 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 there's like a rushing a sound like a rushing wind and then there's 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 tongues of fire down on each person and and as Liz really put it you know um you know, in effect, we're moving from the age of the anointed heroes, <laughs> which was very much the Old Testament, to the age where every believer is going to be filled with the Spirit, every single one of us. And um, and I've chewed on, I, I've sort of mused over, well, what was why the why the wind and why the why the 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 the, the, fu- the fire? You know, well, this had never really happened before, right? That no, n- there hadn't been a pouring out of the Spirit in this way, um, in quite this way. And so what did they know, how, how, what, would, what would they, how would they know this was from God? Well, interestingly, um, the word for spirit, ruach, is also the word for wind and for breath. It's interesting why, you know, hong is kind of interesting because it's about the mingling of breath. So breath, spirit, uh, and wind uh, in a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew construction. Uh, but Psalm 104.4 says, He makes his winds his messengers or his angels, flames of fire, his servants. So this is like God is doing something. And, and you as a group of Jews, about 120 of you, you know, who you know your Old Testament scriptures, something's happening and, it's, and the imagery is linking you back to, hey, when God's doing something, when there's something angelic happening, this is not something bad, this is something amazingly good. So there's a little clue for them in that, which, uh, which is, uh, you know, helps them realize God's up to something really quite special here. The second thing I want to just talk about is um, the significance of languages. So, if you remember in the in in the in the uh, in in the in the um, in the events in in Acts two, I think Liz uh, wrote uh, read out. You know that they were they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And all the, the in Jerusalem, there were basically God fearing Jews because it was a festival, uh, and 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 they were they were sticking around and they come to Jerusalem from all over the place from it says from every nation uh 
but they were Jewish people. So, you know, they were, they probably spoke, uh, you know, Aramaic or Greek or both, as well as speaking their local languages. And so that's interesting. But they were all there from all manners of places, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. I mean, you know, lots of names I can hardly pronounce. A big, big long list. Anyway, so, um, and what does God do? Well, those, what they said is that we can hear these people declaring the wonders of God in our own languages, in our language, in our mother tongue. And um, this is probably the most important thing about what I want to say this morning. Um, because um, if you remember back to uh, Genesis 11, uh, way, way back, this is predates Israel, so predates all those Jews, even Abraham. Um, what happened was that people were, you know, d- pursuing their own goals. They weren't particularly godly goals. But but what God said was, look, I- if as one people speak in the same language, you know, they they go forward with doing this, then then nothing that they plan to do will be impossible for them. So God confused their language, gave different languages, so that we became separated and split out, and 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 and, and a, a way a different way of speaking turns into a different way of thinking, because language and 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 patterns of thought are kind of connected. So. So there was this separating out of humanity into, into what became nations right at that point because God needed to limit something because actually our hearts were not in a right place to have that kind of unlimited power. They just weren't. So what did he do? Well, he separated it. Fast forward. What happens here? That barrier of many, many different languages, God wanted to do something amazing. So it was like, ah. Oh, that's no; those different languages are no longer a barrier to hearing and understanding what God is up to. So there's n- that separation. There's some kind of reversal of what was going on in Babel happening right here, right in this eventful day in the in the birthing of the church. And um, so, but it's funny, isn't it? Because you know these people, you know, they spoke Greek or Aramaic, probably. So why did God choose to t- teach them in the mother tongue? Well. You know, it, it's a bit. It's it, it's a bit like um, what it reminds me of is you know in the same way, it's really important in our church. We sometimes sing Tereo Maori in our worship, and we do that. And we and 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 as a as a culture, this nation is founded on being uh, the covenant between two peoples, and and that means multiple kind of cultures. But Tereo Maori is 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 the one thing that's amazing about Tereo Maori. If you if you um, you can learn it in a very Western way, which is a technical way, or you can actually get Mari to teach you, which won't be a very Western way. And it won't d- be just about language. It will be about culture and song and craft and all those other things because the language Tereo Mari carries to our Mari, the, the Mari way of thinking and worldview, which is just different, and it's a gift. And so j- the language is a gift, but the language is a fl- reflection of this bigger gift, which is who... Uh, as, as you know, who who Tangata Fenua actually are, and it's who they are that is an amazing gift. Just as Tangata Tiriti is a gift to this country, so we've got these amazing two gifts. So the language is the, is this reflection of that, and that's why it's really important to us. And it's Im- it's important to us whether we've got loads of people who are married in the room or whether we don't have any, because uh, it's a blending that's happened. So, and there's a heritage there, um, but something really profound is happening uh with this language stuff that, that the holy spirit is doing because i and it's the last t- the last time it happened the last time that phrase 
the Holy Spirit will come on you. Can everyone think about when was the last time you might have heard that? Given that you just read through Luke and Acts and you're in part two, if you're Theophilus. Well, maybe it's back when Gabriel was speaking. Because when he spoke to Mary, he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Jesus will be birthed. And Jesus is the incarnation. He is God with us. God made flesh. Now, the thing is, God had come to earth before, right? Before Jesus. Not in that way. But, uh, you know, think about it. He appeared to Moses on the mountain. You know, he walked in the garden with Adam. His glorious presence shone in the temple. His pillar of cloud and fire guided the Israelites. So what was it that was new when Jesus was born? What was different? It was this, that God became one of us. He kind of laid aside all of these God privileges and took on the weak, frail form of, you know, the omnipotent, omniscient king of the universe, can't even control his own bowels for the first few months of life. You know, the amazing transformation, actually. Why did he do that? So he could make his dwelling among us as one of us. God's dwelling had been in the temple for the Israelites, but not as one of them. And suddenly, Jesus is as one of us. He became like us. He made the journey, emptying himself of everything but love, as the hymn says, to become just one of us, to live a life alongside us so that he could really empathize and connect with us. He'd been the eternal son. Now he was a man. And still, Jesus is a man. Right now, there is a person just like you and me in the Trinity for all time. So if that's what God is doing with the language, what is he teaching given it's here and it's happening again? There's a new incarnation happening. That was an incarnation of the, the Holy Spirit coming on, on Mary. And there was an incarnation with an individual, Jesus, to be God with us. So there's an incarnation of God. And now the Holy Spirit is coming on a group of people who are going to be the incarnation of the kingdom. That coming to, being with, being part of, in that reaching out, connecting with you in a way that reaches you, fully reaches you, because we become like you. We, be, we get absolutely on, alongside you. Um, which is amazing, because it's like, you know, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit came down and then everyone else could understand a single language that's being spoken. It wasn't that. It wasn't that all the diversity had to get kind of swept away into something uniform, that there'd be one language. It was the other way around, that the power of God was going to engage with all the amazing histories of all those local communities and nations that all these people were from. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and connect with you in that. I'm going to communicate with you in your mother tongue. It's like, it's not, it's the speaker that adapts. The hearer doesn't have to adapt. And that's the principle that we're going to see right through this whole book. The whole book is about how does God reshape the church from the inside out and make it more able to connect with an amazingly different and diverse world. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So, 
I've got to get through those other two points. I'll come back to that. But, um, so, that so, so the next thing that happens is, that all, you know, everyone's like, oh, what's going on? Maybe they're drunk. I don't know. Uh, and Peter stands up and you, you get you get actually a classic three point uh, sermon in here. Uh, so the, not the first time you sit in the Bible, but there is one. That's kind of encouraging for some of us that use, use that structure sometimes. Um, so the first thing he does, uh, right, is uh, and, and, and you can see it because because the phrase that gets used is fellow Jews or fellow Israelites. So the first thing he says, look, fellow Jews, let me explain to you. Look, look, these aren't drunk. These people aren't drunk. Uh, this is in, by the way, chapter 215. Uh, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what was going on. This was, this was, this was foretold. He tells them all about it. You know, young men dreaming dreams, pouring out on spirit and all, all flesh, etc. So that's the first point. Second point, he says, fellow Israelites, Jesus was a Messiah. And there were signs that you could see that he was a Messiah. And you crucified him, but God raised him. Point, point two. Point three. Uh, and then he says, oh, by the way, um, and that was fulfilling uh, the Old Testament as well. Uh, and quotes David uh, from the Psalms. And then he comes in and says, fellow Israelites. I can tell you confidently David died, but he was a prophet and he was prophesying something. So we've witnessed it. This is what this is, this Jesus. Uh, and he's poured out the Holy Spirit, you can see. So point three. Final conclusion. Be assured of this. This Jesus that you're seeing is doing stuff right now in your, in your presence right now. You crucified him. And God has made him Lord and Christ. <sighs> That's pretty um, pretty confronting, isn't it? It's an amazing message. But it, interestingly, it's responding to questions and judgment about what God is evidently doing. Remember that theme we talked about at the start, what Jesus began to do and to teach? So Peter's job here is I need to teach about what Jesus is doing. Jesus is already doing something. I need to, I need to, to, to explain it. And... Uh, that's what then leads to um, the, the fourth point here, which is uh, what I'm calling a normal delivery. Now, there's a whole, we could do a whole thing on this, but um, you're going to see sometimes when people share the gospel message through Acts, there, there are usually kind of four ingredients in there. So, so uh, because people are like, oh, what, what, what do we need to do? If that's true, what do we need to do? And uh, yeah, Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that's, uh, you know, there's four ingredients there. We need to repent towards God, turn towards him, put aside our old way of thinking, decide to turn and do something different. That's the first bit of the response that, that, that Jesus calls for. We need to believe in him. Now, now um, it's quite evident, evident they had come to a point of believing because they're like, what do we need to do? So, um, you know, we need to believe in him. We need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then we'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you'll see various times when, when the gospel is from you, you're going to see those ingredients. And that's just normal Christian birth. So normal, a normal way to connect in and, and, and become a disciple and start out on the journey is there will be in some ways, there's not uniformity there, but there is, there, in some ways there'll be some, there'll be some of those four ingredients happening. So... A realization that well, I need to, I need to, I need to put God first in my life. I need to live different from the way I have been living, and and actually, I'm going to turn to Him and trust what He did. I'm going to trust that actually, God did make Him Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who died and was raised, and and therefore I'm going to be baptized in water. I'm going to be baptized in the Spirit, and um, often that can be quite. Um, 
quite uh, uh, we, we can have that's a real there's a real clarity about that and and I guess I imagine in the scene right because there's now three thousand people who want to do that and they want to do that that day. And so 3,000 people were going to be baptized that day. Now, thankfully, there were lots of immersion pools around the, the Temple Mount that worshippers used to go and, and ritually purify themselves and wash themselves. And people did get baptized. But here's the interesting thing, right? Big challenge to the status of Jews because actually it was only non-Jews who got baptized if they wanted to be included in Judaism. And the Jews thought, no, we're already in. Thank you very much. So it's like, no, no, no. You, Jews, are going to need to be baptized. So that will be quite offensive, actually and a real challenge to their status, but you're gonna have to do it. It's gonna cost you your respectability. You're gonna have to publicly and radically do something that shows that you're converting into uh, this new thing. It's not a private sort of non-committal kind of request for salvation or just quietly thinking differently. You're gonna have to do something publicly and show it. Now, um, everyone's different, right? My, My story is, it was, in, in terms of that was a bit different. So I I came to um, a realisation that I needed to give my life to God when I was about uh, 16, 17 years old. And uh, so I'd, 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 I'd repented and I'd come to really believe that I needed to respond to who Jesus is because I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that he was, um, he was who he said he was. Um, but interestingly, I had, had the confusion of a christening when I was young, and I was in an Anglican church where they never talked about baptism. So it was quite a, a few years later that I met this young lady, and her first question was, well, have you been baptized yet? And I was like, no, 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 it wasn't your very first question. That's fair. Yeah. An early question. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, God, so God really challenged me about it, and, and, and ultimately that led to me being baptized in a river. Uh, in uh, in in Basingstoke in the church where we were part of there, we just went to this nice spot and um, and it was great. Um, and then and then again, you know, at what point did I have a sense of being baptized in the spirit? Well, again, it was a bit different because I'd gone back to university a couple of months later, and I was just I was cycling from my flat up to the university. I was cycling along, singing full of joy, and all of a sudden I found out I was singing in a language I didn't recognize. And it was a bit spooky, because it wasn't like, you know, even though I'd had people pray for me, oh, we'll pray for you, and, and you know, you'll receive the Spirit now. And I waited, and nothing seemed to happen. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, keep going. Uh, and, um, and so it was a little while later that, that God did something. Now that, so that was like, you know, it was, it was peppered through probably quite a lot of years for me with different things going on. Um, and probably we'll all have different stories, but the point is, it's it's here, it's here, right there. And what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus teaching? Well, you know, I guess in this bit, what he's teaching, what he's what he's doing is that he's he's convicting these people by the Holy Spirit. You need to respond. This is not a message you can just think is interesting and carry on with your life. You, it confronts you. You've got a choice to make. So that's what he's doing through the Holy Spirit. He said. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He'll convict the world with regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And um, so what is he teaching? Well, I guess that the death and resurrection of Jesus demands a response. And whoever we are, it's the same way in. It's the same forgiveness. It's the same spirit for all. It's the same requirement to lay aside our status and be willing to stand up and be counted. So, um, yeah. So that's the, th- that's the third thing. Uh, that's the fourth thing o- o- on our list. Um, so I want to now, um, just uh, as we're kind of coming towards the, the end of our time, I, I want to sort of um, uh, just pan out a little bit, the kind of crane shot, I think, so, as we called it. Um, so we looked at uh, 
that, that first bit of formation, and that's this first of three chunks. Um, but interestingly, in if you you may have uh, you won't have necessarily recalled, but when we were reading uh, from Acts one, we were reading um, Jesus said, "You'll receive power, and you'll be able my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And that's basically the structure of the rest of this whole book. The first couple of years worth of it in the first eight chapters are about in Jerusalem, and that's the church's formation. And we've just started with that with the birth of the church. Then it's gonna, we're going to look at uh, Judea and Samaria, a 13-year period for the next four chapters, and then a 14-year period to the ends of the earth for the, for the, the balance of the book. And um, so, so that's um, something very specific that... Um, that Luke is doing there. He's trying to take us through that. I'm just uh, checking my notes and which of the slides are no longer there. <laughs> it's probably good. You'll be pleased to say. Um, but um, and there's there's a few uh, there's a few good things that happen with that. So you know there's there's a few golden threads in there, and one of them is this that gives you a theme of the book. It says, you know, Luke does this sum ups as we're going. You know, right from one eight, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the end of the world and ends of the earth, and then. Right the way through, across different bits of this book, it says, ah, narrator points, so the word of God spread. Ah, so you know, the church increased in numbers. Ah, uh, the, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. You know, the churches were strengthening the faith and so on. Lots of different, you know, ways. You know, sometimes it's miracles, sometimes it's persecution. Sometimes it's when the excluded get included. Sometimes it's when they raise up servant leaders. Sometimes when it's, th- it's when they grapple with doctrine and practice. But in all those ways, what Luke's drawing our attention to is, Actually, the, the word of God is spreading because these people are spreading. And um, if I go back to this structure, so we've got the formation of the church and, and we've got more to come on that. We've looked at its birth. We're going to look at its presence, its progress. And, and a real turning point when, when it grapples with this thing of equity, when, when the real turning point, when the excluded become included, God knows they're ready for something bigger. And that's at the end of this first section. So wait till someone's talking about that. It's ace. Um, and then we get into this transition where the main the main character is not Peter; it's now Philip. And uh, we hear about the persecution that that that's, that pushes the church beyond Jerusalem. And uh, Saul is converted. Peter has an amazing awakening. And then there's a centering on this new apostolic center at, at a place called Antioch, which is a real diverse, multicultural kind of place um and then the the next bit really is is lots of team trips that paul makes uh, to lots of places and it's just this proliferation of of the kingdom communities into across all these major cities of the known world and beyond into individual regions it's amazing so that's the that's the big sweep out that's what we're going to do and um and we're going to chew that over trying to apply some insights to our own calling what does it mean to be urban to get you know, in 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 Aotearoa in 2021, what does it mean to be in our in our local place in our city? What does it mean to impact our region and our nation? What does it mean to impact the whole world? Um, and what does God have to do to change us from the inside out to do that? And how will that lead to raising up a new generation to follow Him? So awesome! Interestingly. Um, that that small group of 120 Jews uh, who were who received the Holy Spirit on the, uh, as, as we read about um, did lead to Christianity completely s- spreading and 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 being the major 
faith of the known world in uh, an amazingly short time period by by world standards. Um, so how you know how was it? Well, well, we see that the the, the gospel in Jerusalem, which is a a place, a, a, the capital of the the kind of sacred capital of the world as far as the Jews come, to Rome, which is actually the political capital of the known world at that time. So it's going to move out from a kind of private piety to transform the very centre of government. And how's it going to do it? Well, not by ideas and philosophy, not by force and coercion, not by a great human leader, by community organically spreading and covering the ground, doing good, transforming lives, pooling gifts, caring for the poor, pressing on through opposition and slander, right into that multicultural world in all its complexity. That incarnation we were talking about, really being amongst, being amongst and being different all at once. The Roman Emperor Julian, writing in the 14th century, was really miffed about Christianity. They, they called Christians atheists because they didn't believe in all the gods, right? So, so uh, this is what he said. Um, in fact, I might even have this uh, on the slide. Yeah, here we go. He said, atheism, as he called it, has been specially advanced through loving service rendered to strangers, through their care for the burial of the dead. It's a scandal. There's not a single Jew that is a beggar. And those godless Galileans, they care not only for their own poor, but ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help we should render them. What an amazing testimony uh, about what was happening. And uh, it was a power that was just irresistible. Um, and so we're going to learn about all this stuff, right? It's going to be ace. We're going to learn about it through narrative, through stories. This is not, you know, there are... You know, letters and stuff that are quite conceptual and it's and it's and they're kind of laying out logically. This is going to be truth revealed to us through stories and through what's uh, through events and what's happening. It's sort of applied and forged in a very daily reality. This is learning by doing, right? This is really what it's about. It's about insight needed and found and tested in the furnace of experience in very challenging times. How did the church become like tempered steel through all of that fire? So it's a story of reaching the world. It's a story of being remade from the inside out, spiritual formation, and being disciples, making disciples. And it's a story of raising up a new generation. Paul and Peter led to teams, including people like Timothy and John Mark, uh, who went on to do more and different things beyond their lives. So let's um, finish just by bringing it right back to two questions uh, for you to think about in your life, which is, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in our lives at the moment? And what are you teaching us through these events that we're living through? So maybe personalize it. What are you doing, Lord? What are you teaching me? I want to respond to you. Whatever the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart, do it. Take him at his word. God bless you.